0: Hello there, welcome to episode 29 of the Post-Concussion Syndrome Awareness Podcast. And uh, today I've got uh, a discussion, well, <laughs> just me talking basically, but um, look at something which has, has, has cropped up lots and lots of times in my past. And uh, I think it, it got mentioned in a recent uh, Remedies Programme, episode 25, uh, which is uh, painkillers and the use of pain relief, pain relieving methods Uh, so obviously be looking at allopathic drugs um, you know that tablet form, liquid form and I know we've already mentioned alternatives so I've gone through a few of those but you know at risk of repeating that uh, that a lot of them are worth mentioning again and then in terms of painkillers and painkilling is this the best way to actually keep suppressing the pain. Um, does it does it actually help you to manage more than your outward life, outward symptoms, or to just be able to prolong the inevitable? Or is it is it is it necessary? Uh, or can you learn other ways? Or can you find other ways? And now sometimes uh, it, with opiates and so on, it, it can be very difficult because of the long term effects that people. Don't well, it, it, yeah. These people in the medical business, uh, I call it business because it is really um, healthcare industry, healthcare, you know, kind of business uh, as it is, they will not really want to address the opiate crisis and problems and that come from long term opiate use. I know there are alternatives now, but still on the, the mainstream. The widespread consensus is still that being controlled by corporations that produce, uh, you know, kind of billions of dollars a year in drug sales, that they can't sacrifice that profit for the shareholders. They can't sacrifice all that um, turnover for a safer means. So at the moment, uh, that's it's only kind of um, limited getting people away from opiates where there is either a local uh, law or local issue that says yeah you can do that like some states in America, uh, cannabis oil and even uh, synthetic THC and things and, uh, are being used to get people off of opiates as are uh, many of the upcoming studies in things like psilocybin and um, uh, with also ketamine therapy. Uh, because they're not, not damaging when used therapeutically, even in the long term. Uh, whereas opiates, uh, I put my hand up myself. I was given opiates as my um, late 20 noughties when I was I had PCS. I think I had two, maybe possibly three mild traumatic brain injuries by kind of 2008 and nine. Fibre milder onset was a result of previous vaccine damage, uh weakening my immune system, and by that time the pain was just not, yeah, not anything nice at all. So yeah, I started taking, I think, uh, I think it was dihydrocodeine first, so yeah, kind of went in at the top end, <laughs> but then I'd also experienced um, uh, them giving me like uh, sometimes morphine, fentanyl uh, occasionally, and um, codeine was the one that was on longest. So I've got personal experience of this some, oh crikey, 10 years or more of opiates. Um, so I, th- I think that, you know, I've got a pretty good insight into this. Um, but then there's all kinds of other synthetic opiates. Uh, tramadol, I think, is one of the main ones that gets used and overused and can be very, very, very dangerous Um I remember being over-prescribed that by a so-called specialist uh, at the hospital in Bradford, and uh, this guy just kind of decided it, you know, I should have it in slow-release form, big tablet. Um, and I think these were 800 milligrams slow-release. Uh, the thing is with them, though, when you get that, them like that slow-release, uh, it's round-the-clock. So, as you know, if you've ever had a lot of tramadol... Um, you can kind of like kiss goodbye to in, thoughts of sleep because it causes so much disturbance in, your, in within you and your central nervous system, it suppresses that. So your yeah, anxiety, anger, it brings out kind of awful emotions because your nervous system so suppressed, you kind of like feel, you know, kind of sometimes, well, just really, really dehumanised. Um, so yeah, tramadol. It, it give me this. So it's like two of these a day, and uh, I think after about four or five days, I I like imploded, <laughs> and uh, I actually ended up in hospital in A and E through that. With uh, uh, after having a, f- a horrible attack from the tramadol, and uh, you know, busting bones, uh, f- fracturing three bones in my hand, and my hand in cast they put my hand in the cast and it was like no no kind of like well n- you know no, nobody said anything about the fact that they totally mismedicated me and you know kind of ended up causing me personal harm and damage there wasn't even a whiff of that nothing whatsoever so there's this kind of like false um you know kind of double standards uh, and then they put the cast on my um, uh, hand and arm and they put it on too tight <laughs> so uh, whoever this nurse was that did it she she kind of put it on too tight and went home my obviously my uh, wrist and, and hand started to swell up and then Uh, like during the night where i couldn't sleep again it was like well oh geez this is way too tight so i then had to go back down to a and e in the middle of the night in the morning wait for hours again and get them to put the cast on right again so yeah that was tramadol um i know that's an extreme (laughs) quite a very extreme account of what happened to me and um it it, it it caused repercussions as well it, it, i won't go into details but it was uh, it was unpleasant with where i was uh, living at the time and uh, yeah all i knew from that was well yeah i certainly will never ever in my lifetime be taking tramadol ever again um so opiates and synthetic opiates well your dihydrocodeine is um very strong and it can really, really stimulate you, or at other times it can send you to sleep. Uh, so with with that type of opiate, yeah, you, know, you, you as with most opiates, they're going to cause you to go one way or another, whether that be kind of legal ones or illegal ones. Um, <clears throat> The codeine, um, I think it was on the longest. I mean, now, now I, know, I know other gentlemen and ladies that are on dihydrocodeine and codeine and things as well. Um, they can cause a lot of constipation. They can cause um, all types of issues. But you know, most of all, I think uh, they can they can cause more pain at times, um, as most uh, drug medications do. Um, but they they can also kind of cause you to become dependent you know quite quite quickly quite easily uh, because if you're getting that regular relief like you know kind of like I I used to take them first thing in the morning so I could kind of get through some of the day or the rest of the day to a point before I started to get in, into too much pain and, and discomfort from the either fibromyalgia and, and other symptoms as well um, so then you get you get to looking at well what are the alternatives? where are the alternatives and then you realise after a while that well actually you can start looking around at all these drugs that are used for off-label uses like I, I know it's in, in my opinion it's, it's it's shocking and disgusting that they give people um, something like amitriptyline for pain uh, uh, but I know some for some people as a placebo it does work or it, it kind of does for a very very tiny number of people it will give them relief We always hear from the kind of people in the groups. But I I personally, I wouldn't want to be taking something like amitriptyline ever. Horrible experiences, uh, two days on that drug. Uh, Horrific nightmares, uh, just horrible. But some people obviously will be oblivious to that and will think that it helps them. Uh, But again, it's it's another suppressional drug. And um, yeah, gabapentin, pregabalin. Uh, pregabalin is a precursor to gabapentin which means that when you take the pregabalin drug uh, Lyric or whatever they call it the brand name, uh, when you take it your body then um, converts into gabapentin itself and with gabapentin it's already there for you, already done Um, and I think having had both of them unfortunately um, I think I got about two to three weeks of I won't say pain relief it was like it relieved me of any emotion it relieved me of any pain it relieved me of any sensations or feelings almost whatsoever um, my weight ballooned up my skin was itching and red I had hives uh, it was summertime unfortunately when I was I was taking them and um, I felt kind of drunk all the time and 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 kind of dazed couldn't think properly and as you can imagine on top of PCS symptoms, fibromyalgia symptoms, that was like well there's a point where I just felt like a great big fat balloon that <laughs> had just blown up and were just like bobbing around kind of like unable to um, kind of uh, feel anything. And again a lot of people say oh yeah this is a great drug for me or whatever but I think it's hard really to make a judgement and say that, that yeah this is a great drug this drug works or this thing works while you're actually in there taking it and it, it's kind of a false positive in some ways because it's only suppressing your symptoms I would say to that person well you know give it a, a year or however however long and after you've come off of those types of drugs and then judge to see whether you still think it, it, it is still a good drug um, because, of course, the, by, by the actual nature of these drugs, they do alter your, your, your mind, they alter your body, they alter your consciousness, your way of thinking and everything. Um, these manufacturers don't always know what their prescription drugs are doing to your brain or to your mind. That's not covered in the FDA studies or the, uh, the studies that they have to pass these drugs. And, and a lot of them, they've got absolutely no idea these scientists, biochemists, ph- pharmacists and chemists and that, they, they don't know. And they're constantly finding things out and they're having to like, issue new uh, warnings and instructions and things because the, um, you know, the, the criteria for, for getting drugs on the market is very, very, very flimsy. Uh, for instance, uh, I might refer to Ben Goldacre's book excellent book. Uh, Bad Pharma is uh, a researcher into pharmaceutical industry um, but these facts are, but you can go and check them anyway. When the FDA approve uh, a pharmaceutical drug, uh, an allopathic drug or a medication, whatever you want to call it, it only needs to have 5% efficacy. So what does that mean? That means that when you do a study of say any drug that's going onto the market, whether it be a painkiller or whatever, it only needs to actually show to improve the symptoms or condition of one in 20 people that's five percent yeah so as long as you get to five percent and very very there's not really any any that are over that or, or much far over that so if you can imagine if you gave 20 people you know some, some something for pain or, or a medication, and only one of them got a benefit from it. And then you say, well, that, that obviously works. Let's let's market it for, you know, kind of... <laughs> we're millions of pounds marketing it. Let's sell it. That's how fragile um, the the modern drug industry is. And a lot of people don't know that. And yet these people that... that are administering the drugs and that are selling them and that are pushing them and promoting them and in the States advertising them on TV these same people to protect themselves point the finger you point the finger at supplements at herbs natural medicine therapies are on there they go right these things are dangerous these could, co- these could cause you harm uh, and to me that's kind of like the most disgusting hypocrisy in our world and how they demonize things like cannabis, for um, or they have done in the past, or other things that have been demonized, and, and said, well, you know, um, even the 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 simplest, most gentlest remedies that plants, trees, Mother Nature have got uh, has got to offer, the things that can really kind of you know help you to heal, without any real any side effects, usually, you know, gently and gradually, because they don't work there and then. Like, a pain, like taking a painkiller, they're seen as not having as much value. Everything from naturopathy to homeopathy to herbalism and so on. You know, if you're looking at working with relieving pain or getting to the, the root causes of pain, uh, I've got some news for you. If you're not taking allopathic drugs, medications that is, uh, it could take you weeks or months or even, you know, a year or two to get to the root cause of your pain and to, to deal with it, to uh, learn to manage it and, and to um, lessen it. You know, there's no, there's no cure for a lot of chronic illnesses, but there's healing for them. And the two things are very, very different indeed, uh, which we'll look at in just a moment. And so please bear in mind that, yeah, if, if you're considering a course of painkillers, for whatever stage you're at, whether it's uh, post injury and you're having pain issues, or whether it's a midterm where you've already been diagnosed with PCS, so say after the three to six month mark, or or, or further out, or if you've had a more a severe traumatic brain injury or TBI, uh, then you know you you're gonna have to. Think about whatever diagnosis and whatever problems, issues that you may have had alongside that as well. If you've been in a a car crash or or an accident or any type of more severe uh, um, accident that's caused your your brain injury, then you may have a lot of physical symptoms as well that may uh, be due to shock trauma uh, within your body and within your brain as well. but bear in mind that um, your your medications are not gonna cure any of those problems at all, ever. Um, There's only therapy, there's only therapies, there's only different types of therapies and um, natural medicine, and also uh, working with your your traumatic symptoms, that's ever gonna clear up the issues that you've had. I've, I've never ever met any a single person it, since I've been in this the last 15, 20 years. I've never met a single person that's been cured by mo- uh, modern medications. Not one ever. No single person has said, well, I'm cured from pain because of taking painkillers. <laughs> you know, and yeah, I've I meet so many people now, and I've 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 spoken to so many people that have, 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 have used functional natural medicine. They've got to the root cause of the pain, and they've used different therapies and modalities and things, and the pain has lessened. they may have used different things. they might have meditated. They might have used hypnosis, NLP, sound frequencies, yoga, um, GC math. They might have used. Um, natural medicines, curcumin all kinds of stuff and the pain's been lessened and lessened because they've got into a symbiont uh, kind of working relationship with the pain to lessen and lessen it and you have to understand that some parts of your pain that are triggered by PCS may have been there uh, previously in your life as well And that's how the past episodes on CPTSD and and other traumas and things as well have touched on too. So, yeah, please uh, bear that in mind. Um, Again, with pain, yeah, there's a mass market that's sprung up with CBD oil. And uh, as I've mentioned before, the stuff you kind of buy over the counter in shops is generally pretty poor quality. Um... You know, just varying mixtures of CBD paste, which they all buy from the same kinds of places, dissolved in uh, with an emulsifier in sunflower oil, hemp oil, or whatever. And unless you're going to pay quite a bit because it is still expensive, uh, you're probably not going to get, you know, like the best pain relief. If you can afford, or if you're in a, a country or a state where, you know, uh, cannabis oil or Simpson oil is legal and you're able to get that from a, a decent source, then you, you're going to be a lot better off. Um, but with the CBD oils over the counter, it is literally every few years a new a new kind of um, market grows up, like you know when we had the the scare here a few years of about smoking being dangerous and the vaping industry uh, sponsored by the NHS, sponsored by your local government authorities uh, came up uh, and in like 2011, 12, 13. And um, yeah, then there were already studies out from Japan and, and, and other places saying, well, vaping's actually more dangerous than cigarettes. And yet this got ignored for another five, six, seven years. And now it comes out that, yeah, actually vaping is far more destructive and will probably kill you a lot quicker. uh, And people are kind of dying from the effects of that already and and had horrific health issues. So you have to, yeah, beware of the fads that come around and around uh, and, and see what's good and true from what is just been pushed and marketed, really. Uh, A lot of the stuff that is really good, you won't see marketed and pushed very much, but you will find out about it in other ways, Um, such as I did with GC Math and other things. It's just a a point of of saying, well, what can you do uh, functionally to help your pain, rather than just jumping on the same bandwagon as everybody else. Okay, so yeah, that's um, probably quite a a short episode for today on pain and painkillers. I know there's a lot of other uh, stuff that people are using medication-wise for pain. Uh, A lot of people use paracetamol or Tylenol as its brand name it's called in the USA. Um, But again, that, that can be really dangerous for your liver. And personally, you know, it's not something that I think relieves a lot of pain maybe only very mild, low-level pain. Um, But then, if you look at your choices, you've got, yeah, that type of low-level nirofen, paracetamol, type of anti-inflammatory painkiller, then you've got opiates after that, then there's synthetic opiates, or off-label uses uh, of drugs, none of which really help beyond the short-term. Uh, But then your CBD, cannabis oil. Uh, Topically, copaiba, very, very good for pain. Um, Then you've got things like MSM, uh, methyl methane, uh, organic sulfur, and you've got quite a few others as well. So you may well have to think about combining a few of the the more natural ones or the kind of lower uh, effect ones in order to get the... um, Desired result for painkilling. Personally myself, I'll take Novasol Curcumin first thing in the morning, followed by some MSM, which gets me going, uh, and, and kind of pain-free for the day. And then following that, I'll use topically Copaibra oil. I'll use uh, kind of moist heat bath showers. I'll use different essential oils. Um, but I won't resort to opiates anymore, because I just know it's it's not a good way to go. So yeah, if I've missed anything, please get in touch with me. I'm more than happy to hear from you and and more discussions on paint colours and um, it, it is something that you know it is good to talk about. So don't don't be frightened to get in touch. Okay, so that's about it for this episode. Deliberately short. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me or, or in touch with us, you can do so on Facebook for Post-Concussion Syndrome Awareness Worldwide groups. On Twitter, handle is at Post-Concussion. Um, you can contact us at postconcussion-syndrome-awareness.uk.wordpress.com for the blog, um, which is on WordPress, obviously. And we look forward to speaking to you again very, very soon. Thank you for listening and goodbye. This is a very important disclaimer. In fact, it's not even a disclaimer. These are things that most sentient, intelligent, reasonable people actually know. And what am I talking about? In fact, in well, with the podcasts that we're making, you have to be responsible. Myself... My guests and my podcasts are not here to give you medical advice. We are not paid professionals. So, as society and the woke community dictates, we are here to say to you, any information which we put out in the podcast, anything we give to you, is not construed or considered in any legal way or fashion whatsoever as medical advice. Any reasonable person knows that. But you're always going to get one or two or maybe a few hundred people that really are just as dumb as A, B, C, X, Y, Z. So, please do not take anything we say as medical advice or any other way. Please do your own research, your own um, just due diligence into whatever we say and if you need, if you feel you need, if you really, because you could really trust yourself, feel you need the help, trust yourself to get in touch with your local practitioner, general practitioner, doctor, specialist or whomever, or your psychiatrist or whoever you're dealing with through post syndrome or any other health condition and if I need to spell this out anymore just be really considerate and kind to yourself and don't please don't accept what we're saying as any kind of medical or legal or personal advice i don't know how many other ways to say it but i'm sure those of you who are intelligent enough will realize that yeah we don't give that kind of advice and if you did want that kind of advice you'd probably pay somebody that was really good at it to give give it to you in the first place so don't worry about that I just enjoy the podcast and uh, this summit is 24 of them now, at least. And, and just, just really, really uh, have a, a wonderful time. And please get in touch if you need to. But don't worry about um, thinking that, you know, anything else. Just Just really, really enjoy what we're doing. And so much love and respect to you all. Thank you.